This is Shinji Kagawa, and you are listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Segments on the show. It's Borussia Dortmund fans from around the world, and this time I got once again in, in this segment Dave Hackerson with me. He is uh, living on the outskirts of Tokyo, and uh, he joins me to talk a little bit about Borussia Dortmund's Asia tour and their trip to Japan. Dave, hello and welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for taking the time. I know it's really, really late. In Japan right now, so um, yeah. Why don't you just walk me through a little bit how it actually is when Borussia Dortmund comes to Asia and uh, how you perceived the game and the trip there and and all what's in the match and around the match happening? Yeah, well, the the match itself. I mean, I didn't see much advertisement for it, and it was only. When I was online about a week, two and a week, two and a half weeks before the match, I saw an advertisement and I realized that I knew that Dortmund were coming on an Asian tour, but I didn't think they were going to stop in Japan. But I saw they're going to be playing the Urawa Reds, which is one of the big teams in the J League, and I saw that tickets were still available. So I spoke with my wife and I was like, "This is don't know when Dortmund will be coming to Japan again." So I really like to go and she's like yeah we should go for it so i got in touch with a former japanese colleague i worked with who is also a big soccer fan and i said would you like to go and he's like yeah so we um by that time though i was surprised when i went to go buy tickets so pretty much everywhere in the stadium was sold out but there was still seats available right behind the dortmund goal so i was like oh let's Let's go get those. And they were only 3,000 yen, which like is about less than $30 US. So it was a pretty good deal. And so I bought the tickets. And the day of the match, the game was played at um, the Uroa Reds home stadium, which is also one of the stadiums that was built for the World Cup in 2002. So it's a really nice stadium. So... The day the match comes, and I put on, I, I bought this uh, Dortmund jersey at the end of last season. And so I had that on, and I got on the train, and didn't see anybody like wearing any Dortmund jerseys around my house. But by the time I got to this one station where I had to change trains, I was seeing a lot, lot more people wearing both Dortmund jerseys and local Uwa Reds jerseys and then I changed trains and got on and went to station where I was basically two stations away from the stadium where I had to change lines again and by the time I got there pretty much everybody and this is like at 4.30 in the afternoon the match started at 7 in the evening pretty much everybody was heading to the stadium and the majority of the people were wearing some form of Dortmund jersey or some form of Dortmund um, paraphernalia and Obviously, one of the major parts in the advertising for the match was Kagawa's front and center. And so a lot of the people who were wearing Dortmund jerseys, the one I had didn't have any player name on it, but I saw, of course, being in Japan, the majority of the people were wearing Kagawa jerseys. There was a few Hummels, because... He played with Dortmund up until last season. One thing that did surprise me, though, was the large number of Pulisic jerseys. I was, like, kind of taken aback. I was like, wow, Japanese fans must really like Pulisic. And so when I was at one station, I saw, like, 
guy wearing cargo jersey and Pulisic jersey. And I got to the stadium. Well, I got to the station where the stadium is, and my Japanese friend hadn't gotten there yet, so I went and bought us a couple of beers before we went in. And I was waiting for him, and there was clearly a lot of Europeans who either live in Japan or were visiting who were going to the match. And so I was really intrigued to see a guy wearing a Hamburg jersey. And I was, it was, it was not Japanese. I'm assuming he was, I'm pretty sure it was German because I heard him and a couple other guys speaking what, from my knowledge, sounded like German. And so he had a Hamburg jersey on. And he was trying to buy some beers and some snacks and he, he couldn't read the Japanese. And so I told him, well, what you just bought is a spicy type of squid. Are you okay with that? And he's like, what's squid? And, and I was like, well, it's a type of fish. And he's like, oh, spicy fish. I was like, yeah, spicy fish. He's like, oh, okay. I'll get it. And then, so after that, when I, my friend came, he met me by where you, you go through the ticket counter and, and right outside the ticket counter, they had a little mini shop where they were selling Dortmund jerseys and scarves and shirts and whatnot. And so I met up with my Japanese friend there and then we started heading towards this, the stadium. The stadium was about probably over a kilometer away from the station actually. So you had to do a nice walk. But all along the way, there's a nice walkway that takes you from the station to the stadium. And all along that, they had like little mini stand set up. There was like an Iranian guy with Iranian halal kebabs selling kebabs to people. There was traditional Japanese festival type foods like uh, yakisoba and okonomiyaki and some like Japanese style fried chicken. So it kind of had this like festival atmosphere all along the way as you're going to the stadium. So did it feel though like there was a you were like heading to a soccer game or did it rather feel like you know it's just like an event because you can you can always distinct between like when a German national team plays for example mm. I always feel this more feels like an event than like a Bundesliga match for example feels there's just a distinct in in how the atmosphere is I don't know if you can distinct that I I felt like it was more like an event I didn't really feel like it was people getting geared up for like a competitive match, like where like points are on the line and you like you win, you win. Yeah, well, it wasn't. <laughs> you win this match and you're going to be three points up um, Schalke or something, or you're going to be close to the Bayern. It didn't get that atmosphere. I felt more like it's like yes, Dortmund's here. This is fun. This is a great atmosphere. Let's have a good time. And that's pretty much what I felt the whole way walking towards the stadium and believe it or not and my Japanese friend with me was just equally surprised we walked by this I'm assuming he was a German guy he could have been American or English I don't know I didn't hear him speak but there was some guy wearing a Bayern jersey there at the match and I was just thinking what the why i mean maybe you're just here to see a good football match i don't know but i didn't say <laughs> yeah but but to him. but that guy is is always there around i mean even in, in dortmund on match days you always see the occasional Bayern shirt ah, really trying to rub it in or whatever it's just it's just how it is i mean there are also people wearing dortmund shirts in, in munich so oh that's good that's good <laughs> oh okay I'm, I'm happy to hear that i mean i didn't say anything to the guy I just kind of walked past him and um But yeah, when we got to the stadium, it was about 5.30 in the afternoon when we got there. And just just the whole vibe was just like a like a very fun event type thing. They had like little stands set up right outside the gate. Like they had this big cutout of Aubameyang, Royce, Dembele, and then like an empty spot where you could put your head in 
and you could be like one of the guys there. But there's a huge line of people lined up to take the pictures of that, so I was like, yeah, I'm not going to stay in line for that. And so we we got our take we had our tickets we we walked in and since we got there at a pretty good time there's still a lot of open seats because all the tickets for seats behind the Dortmund goal were non-designated so basically first come first serve type deal so the seats closest to the field and the goal were already all filled up but we decided to take a couple seats a little bit farther up so we had a better view of everything in the field. And we are pretty much almost right, like just a little to the left in behind the goal. So we had a really good view of the entire pitch. And we could also see all the Urua fans, the Reds fans, on the other end of the pitch. And they had their section. And what impressed me most was that I've, I've seen it on TV, but I've never really experienced it in person, is that the J League and the teams, each team have their own little like kind of fan culture and they all have their own cheers. And so even before the match, those fans were pretty vocal and they were cheering. So when like the players came on to pitch like about a half hour before the match to do their warm up, all the overall fans were like cheering, like singing out like certain players' names and the players would like acknowledge it. That was kind of cool to see. And then the Dortmund play the Dortmund players didn't really come out until about I want to say about 20 to 15 minutes before the match. They didn't come out as early as the Rod Reds players did. But the Japanese fans were all really excited to see the players. And so, like, I mean, it was even though he's not the starting keeper anymore, it was, it was kind of cool seeing Weinfeller get a huge reception from the Japanese fans. He came out and everybody was like, ah! And they started cheering, and he, he kind of like waved to him. And um, then later, some of the other players came up. But so, just overall, it was a really nice, fun, and relaxed atmosphere. You didn't feel really any tension or ill will amongst fans. So yeah, it was pretty jovial, and I was. So, was there any organized chanting from the uh, black and yellow? Corner. No, actually not. I was I was kind of wondering like if there would be, and I was myself a little worried because I mean I don't know German, so I don't know what chance I was going to be supposed to say. And the I mean pretty much everybody in the section I was sitting, save for a couple other foreign people, were all Japanese. So you had this huge yellow and black section, but everybody was Japanese, and so they didn't have cheers per se, but What was interesting was seeing how the fans responded to developments in the games. Like, if Defender, there was a couple times where Bocha made some really nice intercepts and he would slide into the box and like break up a pass or something. And even though it resulted in a corner, the timing of his tackle or the timing of his interception was really was just spot on and so the fans responded to that and like like cheered him on and so like positive developments in the run of play were cheered by by the fans in Dortmund and then the Urawa fans and this is in the first half when the Dortmund goal was right in front of them anytime the Dortmund defender would play the ball back to the keeper they would boo Like, like <laughs> what you do in playing back to the keeper. So in the second half, when the Urua Reds keeper was in front of the Dortmund fans, anytime Urua would play back to the keeper, then we <laughs> we all just kind of responded the same way. We'd boo him just like they had done in the first half. So it was, it was kind of like a little interesting little competition between both ends. Like anytime your keeper passes back, we boo. You're type of thing so but as for organized yeah, I mean, cheering they, they set up pretty pretty defensively so that must have happened a couple of times yes that was the the really frustrating thing to watch and I mean I within five minutes of the match I was just I mean you, it was so clearly obvious and I was saying it to my friend I was like look 
it's pretty crazy that Uroa have been playing for like half a season. They're in match fitness. They're in season form. And the fact that in the first five minutes, they barely touched any of the ball just shows the gap in quality between the two sides. And But I also think, like you said, part of it was that the Urua coach set his team up to look for a quick counter. Because the one thing that was kind of frustrating to watch, for me at least, was the fact that the Urua forwards and midfielders were able to beat Pishek down his side so many times. I mean, he just left him in just left him in the dust and just ran right past him because not only were they in better shape, but they're just faster. And so even though there was a, some nice build-up play, from what I saw, obviously because it's preseason and Dortmund just started training, there was a lot of rust and lack of sharpness in the final third. And that's what Uroa was hoping to seize on. And so, like, there was a couple times where Pulisic made, made some nice runs into the box and they were trying to, like, show their... We tried to do a nice pass into him and it just wouldn't work. And then Uroa would intercept and quickly, boom, they had a Brazilian guy by the name of Silva. And he would just dart up the field. And it was just... Six seeing him just leave Pishek in his in his dust and just just run past him. I think pretty sure it was Pishek. I mean, and he just would run past him, and then they would lob it up. And there was a couple times where Vine Vinefeller did a good job breaking it up, or Bacho, like I said before, Bacho would get in and get an intercept. But it was just too easy. And so I mean, may, maybe I mean it's preseason, so obviously you can't make any judgments as to how that's going to reflect no it's it's not the sort of game where you like really draw no. too many conclusions from it's just it's just not i mean especially how many days were they in oh, they, i mean they, they had, got to like hand the day before so i mean they had like exactly. they had and so i wasn't like really gonna judge them too hard because they just got in japan they were probably still fighting jet lag the humidity is unlike anything most of those players have ever experienced and they're going up against a side that's in the middle of their season, much higher level of fitness and on match form. So the fact that Dortmund was able to come in with the lack of training and the lack of rest and the lack of practice and still come out and beat one of the better teams in the J-League 3-2, I was pretty impressed with. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we'll see that still a lot, though. I mean, Dortmund will, also under Peter Bosch, I assume and will predict, still be somewhat susceptible to counterattacks. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I, I think, you know, although it's preseason, we shouldn't be too judgmental just yet. I'm I'm pretty sure that, uh, yeah, there will be a, a lot of counterattacking goals that Dortmund concede just because they are not 100% defensively organized. No. and. Uh, with the counter-pressing shape, you know, it's pretty exhausting, of course. Mm. And uh, if you have a tiny slip-up, that uh, easily, yeah, creates space. We saw that under Thomas Tuchel as well. And especially in the Bundesliga, teams just know what to do after gaining the ball because basically every team, or not every team, but pretty much the the majority of mm. Bundesliga teams, they just like to uh, play on the counter-attack and, and look for these transitions just as Urava did in that game. So, yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's gonna be a big focus for Dortmund because I think, was it Bosch? I, yeah, I think he even said it himself that they basically have to minimize, uh, mistakes in build up play. But, uh, yeah, with, with Weigel out for, for a long time and yeah, fullbacks not being fully fit and whatnot and fullbacks playing a big part in his build up play so far. I don't know mm. how it will look in Dortmund, but I assume it will be similar. So I, I just I just guess that there will be mistakes made by Dortmund uh, in builder play and they mm. might be punished in the Bundesliga even if not by Urava in a friendly. But yeah, so you know I'm not too optimistic about Dortmund's defensive shape going forward. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, that's what the hell. It's it's still gonna be fun to watch. No, I guess. And I was 
the thing that really impressed me, even though it's still preseason, in the defensive shape, they didn't really give up anything in the middle. Everything on the counterattack was always either down the left or the right. So the Uro was always pressing a counterattack, not up the middle, but from one wing or the other, is at least how I saw it. And the thing that was really positive to see, though, was even though Bolsh has only taken over recently, you could tell that they were still they were trying to implement his his counter pressing because anytime they lost the ball, you instantly saw like two or three players try to go around the ball and get it back. And I mean, it wasn't perfect yet, but you could see that the idea was there and it was kind of a continuation on what Tuchel implemented. So his ideas, from what I remember hearing of, in the interview that Lars did with the, the Ajax fan. Priya Ramesh. In her breakdown of Boss as a coach and his tactics and style, I could see already those things being implemented and the players trying to do it. But, I mean, they, they barely trained and they just flew halfway across the world. They're not going to be perfect at it. And given the circumstances therein, I, I thought it was a pretty good showing of where he intends to go with the team. And one, I already said I was impressed with Bacha and his um, sharpness and breaking up some passes and making some key interceptions. The young French guy, Zazadu? Zagadu. It's a great name. I, I I liked what I saw of him. He I I just couldn't believe that he's what what eighteen? That's it? Yep, just eighteen. And he's <laughs> he's got such an assured assured presence about him. He didn't look flustered at all. And just this smooth calmness about him that was really really good to see. And I mean, I hope well, considering injuries as they are, we're probably going to get to see a lot more of him than maybe Bosch originally intended, but that might not be a bad thing. No, definitely. I think he is a good signing, and as I said on the last episode, actually, that I have a feeling that he will get some playing time, mm-hmm. which not all uh, arrivals in Dortmund obviously do. No. Uh, Emre Moore is, for example, a good example. Of course, he granted he got some playing time, but... Uh, Given his talent, he could have gotten more playing time. But uh, I had this discussion uh, with uh, uh, Critty Smith, and uh, basically he asked me why Emre Moore wouldn't play more after you know showing his skills in preseason. I basically said to him, "Yeah, well, uh, you mustn't forget Dortmund just have so much uh, depth mm-hmm. in young, talented players that you know for Emre Moore it's getting tight when." You know, Pulisic and Dembele are cranking things up and mm-hmm. are just playing on a higher level and more consistently. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Zagadou obviously also has a lot of uh, competition on, yeah. on that position right yeah, now. Yeah, he does. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, with Masic Mensah out and he played also against, uh, I say Milan, he played pretty well mm-hmm. as a left wing back sort of player. So I can see it happening. Why not? Yeah. I, and the thing about Emre Moore, I mean, in the second half, when I was was tweeting about the game, it was kind of Emre Moore's show because anytime he got the ball, he was electric with what he did with it. But before he scored his two goals, he made so many poor decisions. And I was looking at my friend who was with me just frustrated so many times. It's like, why didn't he? He should have passed it there. He He didn't need to take on three guys. And even though he was, it it just it's it's amazing how well he holds onto the ball. In the first goal he scored, he held off a guy by the name of Makino. Makino he played, I want to say he played in Kulm. He he was originally he played in the Bundesliga for a season or two, and then he's now back the Ural Reds. But he's a national team player, and he was able to hold him off keep the ball at his feet and score, which was impressive. But the number of mistakes he made decision-making-wise 
before that was really frustrating. And that's why I was happy to see Peter Balsh after the match say, well, Emery Moore is a great talent, but he needs to work on his decision-making. Once he can get that right, then he'll be able to take the next step. And as as you kind of alluded to, the reason that Dembele and Pulisic are getting much more playing time than him is that they're more tactically astute and they make better decisions on the field. Whereas Emre Morris, even though he scored the two goals in this friendly and kind of every time he did something with the ball, people in the crowd were just like, wow, there's still way too many poor decisions that will would come to bite the team or come back to haunt the team in a more competitive Bundesliga match. At least that's how I saw it. Yeah, I think that's a very fair assessment. So um, I have a couple of questions more or less uh, based around the game. Mm. And I really do want to find out if... uh, if you could see the influence of sponsors and and how they were basically how how they appeared like was there like big banners by Evonik and and how um yeah let's say brands try to utilize this uh event to to sell their stuff or to you know polish their brand name or whatever like was there something like glaringly obvious to you that it really felt like hmm this is this is all a bit too much or, or was it was it all like within means and bounds i would say it was within fairly means and bounds but like i've just pulled up some of my some of the pictures i took here and i did see oh i did see the ivonic ad, ad as well i saw a lot of japanese ads but in borussia dortmund itself was pretty aggressive in in promoting itself in inside the stadium so like one of the i, I don't think i put this picture up on on Twitter, but there was like one of the rolling banners was um, a Japanese version of an advertisement for the Beva Bay shop. So I had like, um, I'm looking at it now. Football in Oh, that's okay. Basically, if you literally translate what this thing says, it says getting drunk on football. But uh, this is basically just like, encouraging Japanese fans to get really into Borussia Dortmund. So I saw a lot of these advertisements and they would, they would change throughout the course of the match. But that being said, I didn't feel that it was like overbearing. Um, one thing that was pretty prominent though, before we entered the stadium, there was um, some Japanese companies who were pretty aggressively selling services they had associated with Dortmund. And one of these companies was um, a Japanese travel agency by the name of HIS. So there were some really nice pamphlets that were given to everybody who went into the stadium. And one of the pamphlets that was given to us was by HIS. And they were basically selling tour packages to Dortmund. So like the package would involve uh, like a couple nights in, in staying in Dortmund and then you would get to go see one of the matches and get to like have like kind of some special seats at the stadium. And I think via... Yeah, I once heard and that, that was, sorry for interrupting, I think yeah. that was before Kagawa left to Manchester United yeah. that someone here in Dortmund offered tours to where he would go grocery shopping and whatnot. Like a Shinji Kagawa tour in Dortmund, like where he would live. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's true or confirmed because I never really, uh, yeah, checked up on that. Here, let, but let, that actually, I have the brochure here. Let me go grab it real quick. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what it says in there. Hold on a second. Okay, I got, I got the, the tour here. So basically, what it, what it says. Oh, and I got, yeah, I got a couple of brochures like from. They had an Ivonic and Puma advertisement about a junior kids soccer camp that they did with some of the players. Um, but the the travel package, so HIS, it, the brochure says they're a regional partner in Japan, and they have this Dortmund um, game 
tour for the 2017-2018 season. And so the tour involves going to the to the to the stadium, then going to the fan shop, then you get to take a tour of the stadium, and then you also get to go to the VIP lounge. Is what the tour involves. And is there anything else? Um, nothing about like going to where the players shop, but one of the tour options you do get to um, spend time with Kagawa. It says. Uh-huh. So it says, <laughs> Saiko Kagawa Tojo de Yumi no Yona Chikanda. So one person, okay. So like one of the events held in the past tour was, um, they had this Dortmund tour for Japanese tourist and this is back in 2015 in February and so the people who took part of that tour got to meet with Kagawa and go to the VIP lounge and well it looks like one of these pictures has girl scouts in it that's kind of weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, but but that was two thousand. book him, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that was two thousand fifteen. But yeah, so I mean, this is one of the things that was really kind of pushed, and it's a really beautiful pamphlet, actually, and does a good job of um, introducing the city and the atmosphere and trying to use that as a big selling point, like. Uh, this one page here, it says a few of Dortmund, the cheering crowd, beer, cups, time, lighters. Right. So, and they give you the prices and a breakdown of everything. And depending on like which time of the year and the match you go to, like the early season matches, like the 24th of August against Hetta Berlin. The standard class tour is going to cost you around 274,000 yen, which is about $2,700. But it includes all round trip airfare plus, I'm pretty sure, lodging and stuff like that. So towards like the end of December, the middle of December, though, it's much cheaper. Like the tw- the seventh against Bremen is only one hundred ninety four thousand. Uh, much better game, also than Hashikama. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd rather see Bremen in in the freezing cold in December any day. But yeah, definitely. I mean, <laughs> football feels better in the, in the cold anyway. I I, I, I I think so. I I think I think so. But, I don't know. I I can I can I can beat that. You know, new business idea here, uh, the Yellow Wallpot tour, where I show you like the best curry was stand where Aubameyang and Eric Dom eat. <laughs> hey, that would that'd be cool. Yeah, I love. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, a couple couple other spots in Dortmund, and I mean, you can literally do the stadium tour by your own, so you don't need to book a tour for that. But nevertheless, it's it's nice to see that there are offers there and that people basically are encouraged to take tours like that. You mm. know, it's it's nice that you give some insight on that because I always uh, wonder how, how these things are being conducted. And yeah, well, there we go. Yeah, it was, it was so, pretty front and center, right in your face. And uh, they do the, the presentation was really well done. So, I mean, I looked at it and I was actually like, wow, that's not as expensive as I thought it would be. And, but yeah, with three kids, it'd be hard to convince a wife to let me go for like three days. Hey, I'm going to go off to Germany for a couple of days in December to go see him. She'd probably be like, no. <laughs> yeah, well, you have to make that out of with your mind, uh, with your mind, uh, with your wife. Yeah, maybe next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure there will be tours on offer. And uh, yeah, if not, I'm pretty sure you could put something together on your own yeah which is probably gonna be cheaper in the end anyway yep. so yeah 
thanks. I will let you go now mm. and uh, go to bed, actually, since it's getting really late over there. Mm. Yes, yeah. <laughs> be before I let you go, I, I wanted to get your general sentiment on Dortmund's Asia Tour. Do you think it was a success? Yeah, I, I would say it's a success. Um, I know from the team's perspective and probably from the players and the training, and then now we've got Schmelzer injured and stuff, it's not exactly the most ideal way to spend the summer in the early part of the training season in preparing for the new season ahead. However, as a fan in Asia, and I mean, I'm not Asian, but as a fan in Asia, it's really nice to see the team come and show fans that they care about the fact that these people on the other side of the world are supporting them. And that they they've come out of their way to show that appreciation and hold a match there. And f and for me personally, having supported Dortmund since I was 17 back in the states, I never thought I would have a chance to actually go see a Dortmund match. And so I'm sure there were probably many Japanese people like me who were just thrilled that Dortmund came to Japan and they had an opportunity to come see them play. And the fact that Dortmund is what did Japan and then China, but no other Bundesliga teams did, it's it's a really and in and plus I mean obviously having Kagawa is a, is a huge deal and, and the, and the great, <laughs> it's and the, a major help. It's a, it's a major help. And like, I saw like him tweet some pictures of him taking, uh, some other team out to what looked like a really nice place here in Tokyo. But having Kagawa's presence and not just like, no offense to, to park at Manchester United, but park in Manchester United seemed more like just a ploy to sell Man United shirts in Korea, whereas Kagawa, especially this last season in the second half, and the, the just there's he he did so well and he had, was such a great contributor to the team. Not I mean with just his passing, his assist, and counter pressing, and then he scored some some big goals as well. For for Japanese fans to see one of their own be such a major contributor to a team of the level of Dortmund and then have that team come here and have one of their own kind of act as like this host. It really, in the end, made the team feel much closer to fans here, even though, I mean, they obviously, they play their games off in Europe and the time differences seven hours so like when i watch matches on the weekend even when they start in the afternoon in germany they're like 10 30 11 o'clock at night for me and it was a good experience to give fans access to the team in a way they never really would have normally and on that front i think the exposure that the club was able to gain for itself both in Japan where it's already really established as as a as a big market for the team and then going to China and then I remember you interviewed like kind of this head of a Chinese Dortmund fan club in the Dortmund fans around the world segment earlier this yeah, year Azura, who? yeah now was I think it was last year yeah it was last year that was right it was last year and and I'm sure I'm sure she was probably at the match and being able to to acknowledge the fact that the team's fan base is truly global now and to at least I mean ideally the team would be able to go see fans in America South America but you can't do that just logistically it's impossible and so I mean who knows where they're going to go end up next summer on the preseason tour. But the United States. 
Is it's it, already confirmed. It's confirmed. Okay, good. Well, then my brother, yeah. then my I know my younger brothers will probably go go see them play. But I, I, in the end, I think it was a very successful trip, and will only do well for further cementing the fan base here. And I mean, the fact that Bayern didn't come here and Dortmund is the big Bundesliga team that's here. The vibe I kind of get from Japanese fans is that when it comes to German teams, pretty much everybody, if you can ask them, what's the first German team you think of? They're all going to tell you Dortmund because well, the Kagawa factor. And then this is, I think, was the second time in the last couple of years that they've come and done a Asian tour in Japan. Yep. China, so yeah, it's financially and global exposure-wise a success for the club. Team-wise and in preparation for the season, maybe not the best. <laughs> no, definitely not. I mean, that's only a hindrance. Um, so, in case uh, Mr. Carsten Kramer is listening, who is the head of uh, marketing and, and public relations mm. and basically in, in charge of all these stuff, um, <laughs> he, he probably won't. However, uh, if you had to make any suggestions about things that can be improved for the next trip, which I assume will eventually happen, uh, what are your thoughts on that, if any? Oh, um, well, I mean... Like one of the brochures I told you about, they already had the the camps with the kids, but I I think it would be good to um. I I don't feel like the team had much chance to interact with fans while they were here because it was pretty rushed. Like they got here on a Friday, they had a match Saturday, and then they had like maybe one like Sunday or Monday to kind of like relax, and then boom, they're off to China and they're already back to Germany now. So if they're going to be taking the time to come over here for a preseason tour, I mean, I'm not, I'm not head of operations like this, but I think logistically and also for the players' health, they should try to set aside more time. So like they get to Japan and then they don't play the match the next day but maybe have a day or two in between when they arrive and when they actually play the match. And then that gets them a little bit of time to adjust, acclimate. And then in between that, from when they arrive to when they actually play the match, maybe set up some more fan-oriented events where the fans can interact with certain players. I mean, obviously, Kagawa is going to be front and center because he's Japanese. But... um. It would be good to see them not have so much of a rushed schedule while they're here. And because, I mean, yeah, I, I went to the match and then I saw like kind of reaction from some of the players like on Twitter where like Kagawa was like, oh, yeah, we went out to some place in Tokyo and then boom, oh, we're off to China. I was like, what? You're already off to China? <laughs> so it, it feels a little too rushed. And that. I think could, I mean, I'm not an expert in these things, but I think that could, I mean, mentally and physically a little bit wear on the players. And <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I met Eric Doom by uh, coincidence in a, in a restaurant the day they landed uh, in Dortmund when they returned from China. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, you know, he only had one word on uh, how to describe the Asia tour and he said exhausting. Yeah. And I think that sums it up pretty well because I mean, the humidity and, mm -hmm. and temperature is pretty high, mm -hmm. the jet lag. And I mean, everyone who has been on a, on a long distance trip on an airplane knows, even though I have yet, I'm yet to travel business class. I, I assume it's, it's still somewhat, uh, yeah, it, it takes it all on yeah. you one way yeah. or another. So I mean, Especially on a on a professional football player who have very fickle bodies when it comes mm -hmm. to you know being being on the very top and not being on the very top because in preseason already and especially with a new coach coming in it's all about being on form mm -hmm. because 
the coach already is he has to make decisions about players and the club's future and who basically he sees in his team and who may be old and still be sold and mm -hmm. so for players it's very important to be in good form and I think that's pretty much a hindrance to be in good form I, I just don't assume that you can be at, at your best already in preseason when you have those strengths mm. to deal with yeah I mean that's that that for me was I mean it was clearly reflected in the way the players approached the match and how they were playing and I feel for these these trips to be more successful and also less demanding on the players, there should be a little bit more time incorporated within trips to give the players the luxury of being able to relax and not have to just do a bang, 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 bang schedule. Okay, you play your match, you go do this PR event, you go do this PR event, boom, we're on the plane, we're to China. Doon, 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 doon. All right, back to Germany. There's no time for people to kind of sit down and take it easy and there's i mean i just keep thinking this japanese word that comes to mind is like sekakadakara which basically like translates to well you've come all you've 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 you've, you've come all this way or you you've you've done all this much so it'd be a waste to not make more of the opportunity while you're here and i just feel that Physically and mentally, the players weren't given enough time to adapt and get in a fairly good... <laughs> Not to arrive, to, I, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, and, and also, like, if they're going to be spending time, they should be also given the opportunity to to interact with fans and also do things on their own because then they can kind of explore Tokyo or explore some of the nearby areas i mean kamakura is just like an hour train ride from tokyo and that's like one of the it was one of the earlier capitals here and there's a lot of really good um unesco landmarks there it's a beautiful place right in the ocean and it would give players a chance to enjoy some free time also get to see more up front what the country of some what the country is like like so fans who support us live in this place and it gives just like a more of a grassroots feel to it. And so I kind of feel the rushed nature of these Asian tours, though successful in promoting the face of the team and players and expanding the fan base, still fail to fully capitalize on the opportunities that could be had if more time was incorporated to allow players to experience these countries and in return give fans more access to interacting with those players so i would to sum it up say they need more time <laughs> they need to incorporate more time maybe schedule the trips to start a little bit earlier and and give that little bit of flexibility to let players recuperate mentally physically and have a moment to take in the sights of where they're going all right Carsten Kramer in case you were listening think you can note that yeah they need just a little bit more time in Japan it's a it's a nice country yes. so why why don't you spend a little bit more time there senior interpreter I'll gladly volunteer <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll I'll pitch that to uh, the Dortmund media team. <laughs> so yeah, as my dog uh, is uh, just decided, or not just decided, but decided to uh, have diarrhea all day, I <laughs> I need to take care of it okay. now. Yeah. So so Dave, um, before more accidents happen, mm. please tell uh, our listeners where they can find you on Twitter. Yeah, my um. My Twitter is, well, I'll, I'll spell it out because it's probably hard to catch if I say it, but it's N-O-R-S-K-A-K-I-R-U-N-O. -O. So spelled out, it's Norsk Akiruno. And Akiruno is where I live in Tokyo, and Norsk 
refers to my Norwegian heritage. So yeah, that's where you can find me on Twitter. I also have, at the prompting of my wife, I recently started a blog where I write about things about Japanese culture and stuff that I've thought about in English and Japanese. And you could find that blog just by entering Akiru no Life on Google. It'll probably come up. So yeah, that's where people can find me. Also going to be linked in the show notes, of okay. course. Okay. So. Yeah. I'll send you a link to that <laughs> blog as well. So don't be, don't be, don't be daunted if you see a bunch of Japanese because there's English after it as well. So. All right. Dave, thank you so much for uh, sharing the insights on uh, that Borussia Dortmund tour because uh, I, I must be honest, you know, for me, that's the time of the year where I actually take a couple of steps back and don't really pay too much attention apart from looking at the games mm. and that's pretty much it so um yeah thanks for shedding some light and uh, sharing some insight of how it really was and how it all felt so yeah thank you dave and i guess we'll talk again eventually yeah, we'll do sounds good thanks again dave and if you want to get in touch with me on twitter you can do that at stefan Butzko. and if you want to get in touch With the show, you can do that at yellowwallpod and find all our written stuff on yellowwallpod.com where you can also find the contact form in case you want to appear on Borussia Dortmund fans from around the world. You can shoot us an email there and uh, I'll get in touch with you and set things up if uh, yeah time is available, but uh, I want to make this a more regular thing. So yeah peeps from around the world who do get in touch with me and yeah in the meantime there are still some uh, Borussia Dortmund collector's cups to be bought on our Patreon page where you can support us financially to yeah support the project at patreon.com slash the yellow wall but uh, yeah if you have any questions for that just hit us up on Facebook Twitter or yeah the contact form anyway that should be all we'll be back in a week or two to yeah, further discuss Dortmund's preseason and uh, probably already take a look ahead at the Super Cup if time come. Thanks again for listening. Goodbye.